Conference of Champions rolls on. No truck stops here. We are the Pac-12. We are the best of the best. Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I'm Carlos at Equity Brewing. Joining me, tacky clothing expert Avery at Brave Grapes. Hello. Greg at Bananamorphs. Greg. And Matthew Hubertson at No Pit Stops. Howdy. On today's show, we'll be throwing flames. We each have a set of hot takes prepared for the 2022 Pac-12 season. And we also have a special guest to talk to us about Nerdstaps, Rod. Nerdstaps? <laughs> Nerdstats, Rob Bowron mastermind behind beta rank an advanced college football metric he's coming on to talk to us about beta rank and the pac-12 but first do us a favor if you like the show please leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts and spotify uh, i'm not really sure how it helps ex- except i think it makes us look good i'm pretty sure but if you enjoy us why not and if you love the show subscribe to our patreon show us uh some appreciation if you'd like with a three dollar subscription we'll send you a no truck stops sticker uh, and lastly, if you need more of the show, you can't get enough, then uh, please subscribe to our $10 tier on Patreon, where we drop bonus content there all the time. Last week, we dropped two deep dives, one on the LA schools and another on the Oregon schools. This week, we're dropping a bonus deep dive on the mountain schools, Utah and Colorado, and then after that, a deep dive on the Arizona schools. So if you want to listen to those, you need more Pac-12 content, go subscribe to that. Uh, so yeah, thank you. Uh, with the rest of the show, let's just get spicy. Let's just get into this here. Last year, we dropped a hot takes preview episode, and some of those hot takes uh, came back to bite us in the ass. Most notably, Avery's hot take that UW was going to the playoff. It's funny. We don't um, remember. I don't even remember anyone else's take except that one. Uh, that's the only one that ever gets brought up regularly. And I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it wasn't the craziest take on that episode either. Uh, I have no idea why avery's uw take gets it's probably because they lost to montana yeah that was because <laughs> it got ruined like week week one week one <laughs> uh i don't know do you do you, any of y'all remember any hot takes from last season uh greg you were mentioning Matt thought the mm-hmm. stanford would be competent uh yeah that's a bad one in retrospect why it was a good take that one they finished three and nine right competently <laughs> I don't think they looked very competent at all, actually. Well, you don't uh, know I would all argue then, that they looked incompetent. It's sad that you would just admit that like that. And then uh, Arizona State, I think, uh, was the other one that, Greg, you had Arizona State going, what, uh, winning the Pac-12 or something? Going to the Pac-12 title game? Winning the South? We don't need to talk about that. It's fine. <laughs> oh, I did say that whoever starts um, for Utah running back will be the best running back by the end of the season in the conference. And that was right. That was pretty close. So. Not a hot take. I don't think there were, I mean, Utah always has like a top three. Running well, we back. didn't know who was going to start at running back. That's, I think that's what made it hot. That was the interesting part about it. That's fair. Uh, yeah. I don't remember all of the hot takes that we were passing around, but, uh, certainly those are a few. Anyway, uh, let's, let's do this again and get flamed on Twitter and, uh, we'll see which one of us has the one that, uh, is enduring and, lasts up until the 2023 season uh we got uh two hot takes each for the upcoming season so the way we'll do this we'll go one by one um and then at the end we'll try to decide who had the hottest take now you don't have to do something that you don't totally believe maybe if you believe it like the threshold is if you like 50 percent believe it that's enough uh anything less than 50 percent 
if you don't believe it, you know, just, I don't know, whatever. If you want to say it anyway, I guess you could. Uh, <laughs> uh, so let's just let's just get right into it. Let's start with the woman seeking redemption for last year's hot take, Avery. Avery, give us your first hot take for the 2022 Pac-12 football season. Okay, I I desperately wanted to say that ASU will be on 0 and 12 watch, but they play NAU in Eastern Michigan, so I'm going to change that to they won't win a conference game. 0 and 9. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So they start out with Utah, and then they get USC, Washington, Stanford, Colorado, UCLA, Washington State, Oregon State, Arizona, and honestly, out of those, I think like the highest possibilities of win for them are Colorado and Stanford and Arizona. Um, and by that point of the season, I'm placing money on Arizona State just won't give a shit about football anymore. Okay. So they won't try. Okay. That's pretty good. So, 0-9. Uh, although, uh, I will say, it's not, them going on 0-12, which is watch, is not super crazy. Because NAU did beat Arizona last year. Yeah, but NAU, like, hasn't won a game since then. I don't <laughs> is think. that true? No, I think that's right. They're like, they're really bad. (laughs) Uh, That's and Eastern Michigan's also like not good. Not they lost to Liberty by a lot in the bowl game by like thirty. They didn't go to a bowl game, but okay, all right, that's fair. I know nothing about them. Oh no, NAU beat Idaho. Ah, see, you're under, you're under. Oh, you're underrating NAU there, Avery. Uh, oh and twelve. I mean, quick, how quick? uh, (laughs) Let's real quick, Matt. How hot was that take? Let's start with you on that one. One to five. I mean, is a five. It's the Pac-12. They somebody wins a dumb game, and like if you're picking anybody to go winless in conference, I I feel like there's a much a far more clear option for that. So um, that's. But then it wouldn't be this hot. Is, this is picking that team to beat Arizona State. So yeah, yes. that's that's quite hot to me. Greg, one to five, how hot was that? <laughs> yeah, I, I also think it's a hot, uh, a very, very hot take, so I'll give it a five. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, okay, well, let's go on. Starting strong. That's starting strong. Let's go to Greg. Greg is uh, notoriously bad at this, uh, always wants to try to be reasonable. <laughs> so let's see Let's see what you got we're for shooting, us this time, we're Greg. We're shooting for two, or Greg. <laughs> let's yeah. hear it. Growth. I'll go with one that I know that uh, Carlos and Matt will hate. Uh, Oregon undefeated in conference play. Yikes. Oh, that's okay. Won't happen. Hasn't happened in the Pac-12 era. And you think this Oregon team could do it? I think that it could happen in this Pac-12. Okay. With a bunch yeah, of terrible they don't teams. Don't play ASU at the end of the year, so maybe. <laughs> Bo Nix. <laughs> Bo Nix. I can't believe I'm defending Bo Nix, but he is better than you think he is. <laughs> Which is a gross hey. sentence to say, but he is. He's having fun. <laughs> He's digging the new offense. Uh, all right, Avery, one to five. How hot is uh, Greg's take that Oregon is going undefeated in conference? I think it's a four. Okay. Um, and I say that because I agree that they're lucky to get Utah at home. But at the same time, like a first-year head coach is going to be the first one to get undefeated going to go undefeated in conference way in the Pac-12 era. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. First-year head coach. Again, we just talk about this all the time. First-year head coach, first-year offensive coordinator, not just like first-year at Oregon, like first-year period. First-year ever. Uh uh yeah, that one's pretty spicy. Their schedule, their conference schedule like kind of lines up for it, so I'm just going to read it real quick. Washington State uh they go to Washington State. 
They host Stanford. <laughs> Imagine if they lose that game. That'd be so funny. That would be <laughs> the very first conference funny. game of the year. Oh, that'd be at good. Arizona. They host UCLA. They go to Cal. They go to Colorado. They host Washington. They host Utah, and they go to Oregon State. Ah, this is a five for me. That's a five. Like looking at the schedule, they have some tough road games there. That's a five. Matt, what do you what do you get? I mean, it? they don't. <laughs> They're better than every team they play on the road. <laughs> Matt. Yeah, this is delusional. This is like a seven. <laughs> I don't even. I, I don't even think it deserves a rating. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, I guess it's my B- turn. Both so of go. you pandering to like the two most angry online fan bases right now. Just absolutely mention farming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want clicks. Exactly. There um, you go. I'm here for clicks. I'll go next here. Uh, next one. We talked about this extensively, and I'm just going to go ahead and put it on the record. Oregon State is getting to the Pac-12 title game. They're finishing one or two in the conference. Uh, I am of the opinion that that offense will be the first or second best offense in the Pac-12, and the defense... Oregon State fans convinced me. Uh, I did look at their secondary, and it does seem talented. It does seem interesting. The Oregon Oregon State fans, the belligerent Beavs folks... We're all telling me that the secondary could genuinely be good. And if even one of those units is, like, good, even just one, that's a dramatic improvement over 2021. Like, they probably just need to be top eight, top seven in the Pac-12 defensively overall in, like, defensive metrics. And uh, that's enough to win, to to have a shot to win the Pac-12. So that's mine. I feel like we shouldn't trust Oregon State fans on what their definition of a good <laughs> secondary is. Because, like, do the they know what a good secondary a good is? Secondary. When's the last time they had a good defense? Like, legitimately, uh, I'm true. not sure. That's true. It's been a long time. Uh, certainly in the last... Uh, we talked about this on our Oregon Oregon State uh, preview, which you should go watch on... Uh, go listen to on Patreon. Uh, they... This last year's offense... Last year's defense, 2021 Oregon State defense, the best defensive team they've had per a lot of uh stats since over the past seven years at least so that's that's crazy truly insane all right like the bars on the floor avery tell us (laughs) tell us one to five how hot was my take um god i don't that's really hot because now it's not based off of divisions Mm -hmm. like if it was the north and south winner then i'd say like oh yeah they could sneak in on technicality but like no, I don't think they'll be able to be better than Utah and USC. So I think it's a five. All right, Greg, one to five. Uh, yeah, definitely the uh, twenty. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, all right, I'm glad glad that it, we're starting off strong. We've got a bunch of fives and a bunch of fours. Matt, yeah this it, this one starts out at a three to me because I do think that it is fair to call them contenders. Um, and so I think that the fact that it is no longer divisions, I'm not necessarily high on Oregon. So you're absolutely right, Avery, that if, if this was in divisions, this is not that hot of a take. Um, but I'd, I'd put it at a four, um, because we're still, you know, even those two South teams that we have questions about, there, there's still questions about USC. There's still questions about UCLA. So I'd go four. They could definitely be kind of a default but that's a huge jump from five and four in conference would i like it to happen yes i would i would pay lots of money to see this happen and by lots i mean like 50 dollars. <laughs> but 
It's like 10% of your salary. <laughs> yeah. It's what I would give to the Mormon church. If, uh, um, okay. All right. So then let's, it circles back over to, oh no, we got, uh, we got to go to Matt. Yeah. Matt. Matt, what's your, uh, give us your first hot take. It's just so hard for me to come up with hot takes because they're all correct all the time. Um, <laughs> my my first one, so the ACC Truck Stop Conference is getting a lot of love as the conference of quarterbacks at the moment. I think by the end of the season, the Pac-12 will be considered the conference of quarterbacks again. Mm. Okay, I'm kind of on board I with this. I think the Pac-12 will have the best quarterbacks in the nation. Oh, this is good propaganda. This man. is great <laughs> propaganda. This is great propaganda. Uh, I, I feel like that's a good hot take. Well, and and uh, to your point, Matt, like the Pac-12 has typically, historically, traditionally been known for having really good quarterbacks, like top to bottom, but also like the top three or four quarterbacks were some of the best in the country. So it's been a minute since we've had that. Uh, Avery, one to five. How hot of a take is this? I think it's a four. Okay. I like want to agree with him though, but I still think it's a hot take, especially if you're not around the Pac-12. Yeah, and you have no idea what's going on. But like, there's some good quarterbacks. Yeah. So yeah, I'll give okay. it a four. It's a good one, Greg. I'll give it a five. Uh, I don't think there's any way national people will ever talk about that, and I also don't. But think I thought it'll you loved true. Bo Nix. <laughs> uh, I think Bo Nix isn't the worst quarterback in the conference, and I think the fact that Bo Nix might be top half shows how terrible the conference quarterbacks are uh the conference's quarterbacks are let's run through them real quick uh we have tanner mckee hold, hold on a good quarterback yeah. so start at the top because caleb williams i think can absolutely have the narrative of being every bit the cj stroud and um okay sure oh god damn it what's the alabama guy's name uh Bryce Bryce yeah there you go it's not like he won the heisman or anything mm-hmm. I, th- I think he can absolutely be every bit that okay so you've got one and then after that Cam there's rising. a big drop off Cam Ward, Cam we don't know Rising. what Cam Ward, Cam Ward, Base, we don't maybe know Cam what Cam Ward. Ward's going to look like. Yeah. Cam Ward's not going to have a good enough team to be close to that level. Uh, okay, Matt, give, you us, DTR, give us a, but like, Matt, give us a quick rundown of your top seven. Let's, let's see how far you can go before we're like, uh, give us your top seven Pac-12 quarterbacks. You don't have to so put Caleb, them in any order. Okay. Yeah. Caleb Williams, uh, Cam Rising, DTR, um, Tanner McKee, and then we go probably Jaden Delora in my count. No Cam Ward. You still haven't mentioned Cam Ward. No, not yet on Cam Ward. We just haven't seen it. I think that he's, I, yeah, I think okay. that there's a lot there, but we haven't seen it yet. Um, I'd probably go Cam Ward next. And then we are looking at, yeah, Bo Nix probably next, but like Sam Hewitt, if he oh, takes Michael. a step, if, if he gets yeah. the start. We have in no Wellington. reason to think he will. You, Chance sure. Nolan? Yeah. Chance yeah. Nolan. Once you start naming Chance Nolan, it's like <laughs> the quarterback conference. That's where. <laughs> okay. All right. No. I'm going to give this. I'll and give even this a with Jaden Delora, like he is so mistake prone that I don't like having him that high. I think he's, I think you're right to have him there, but. You had him at number like five. It. That's not high. I think it is high compared to the ACC. It's really not, though. I, I mean, I also feel like here's the thing. I think all of the, I think some of the quarterbacks that were a little eh, on i think they could have they could improve like i think Jaden delore act act actually could be better this year than he was last year he was a sophomore last year i feel like going into jed fish's system jed fish a very good quarterback coach based on what we saw last season i think he could improve um i think that 
who was the other quarterback that we were just uh chance nolan i think chance nolan absolutely could take a step up like another year under jonathan smith's system if he's a full-time starter if he stays healthy I, he could totally improve and and those guys just have to improve enough to be like competent that they would be like a top three quarterback in any or top four quarterback in other conferences. Tanner McKee I, actually getting all the first team reps and practice right, yeah. and everything. Like, he stays healthy. DTR will be better. Cam Rising. Tanner McKee's not going to have a team that's good enough to make him look good. DTR and Cam Rising will be better. I don't know. I, I like this well, take. I'm how many ACC quarterbacks have a team that's good enough to make them look good, if we're being honest here? Not many. Of them. Yeah. More than the Pac 12. We'll see. We'll find out. This is a good know. take. You just picked take. Oregon to go undefeated in conference. Shut up, Greg. Yeah, because the Pac-12 fucking sucks. Okay, Matt, let me clarify <laughs> the mistake. Is this the best quarterback conference in the country or better than the ACC? Best quarterback conference in the country. Okay. Okay. All right. Good. All right. Well, that's uh, that's our first round of hot takes. So let's recap really quick. Avery started with ASU going 0-9 in conference play. Greg followed up with the exact opposite, Oregon going 9-0 in conference play. I then followed up with Oregon State is finishing one or two in the Pac-12 and going to the Pac-12 title game. And Matt ended with the quarterbacks in the Pac-12 are going to be the best in the country. All right, let's go back to Avery. Avery, your second hot take. Let's hear it. Okay, I take your Oregon State hot take and raise it. Um, I don't think Oregon State loses a game after week six. Okay. All right. Well, now we I was going to say week five, but that means if they had a seven game win streak, that's the first time since 2000, which is like their best season ever. That's a Fiesta Bowl year, right? Yeah. So I (laughs) I edited it to after week six to make it a six game win streak, which they did in 2012. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. So that would mean then that they would beat Washington State. Uh, you know they, what? What the hell? They play Stanford in week six. So let's say they don't they don't lose a game after week five. Let's just do it. I'm okay. going all in. So that would mean they would. Here's their run uh, for people who don't have the schedules up or memorized uh, at Stanford, host Washington State, host Colorado at Washington, host Cal at Arizona State and host Oregon. This is doable. This is. At, yeah, but it's crazy. It's it's crazy to think that they have that level of consistency, but. This is highly doable. Uh, I believe it. This is that's okay. Before I give my score, Matt, you start. What's your what's your rating? One to five. That that Oregon State is going to finish the season with seven straight wins. Oh, I like a two. Yeah. Okay, it should be way hotter than that. Are you kidding me? (laughs) The last time they did that, Jonathan Smith was quarterback. All right, Greg thinks it's hotter. Go ahead, Greg. What is it? One to five. I'll give it a four just because I think they'll be favored in most of those games. But, like, I want to give it a five because it's not going to (laughs) happen. You're, I guess you're teams that aren't Oregon State's just not good enough to have that level of consistency. I don't think they don't have enough talent. They'll slip up. Even if they beat Oregon, which I don't think they'll do, I think they'll slip up somewhere else. Yeah, this is the ho- the hottest part of this take is expecting that expecting any Pac-12 team to be con- be consistent and beat the teams that mm-hmm. it's supposed to be all the time. That is the hardest part of this. The, take. the most, yeah, the most worrisome one there is probably at Washington. I love I mean, how we say that as, with hosting Oregon. I, I would disagree, <laughs> but yeah, I do think that's worrisome. <laughs> I think I think Washington State is going to be a tough game too. Yeah, that too. Yeah, they host that game though. To be fair, um, so. Yeah. And it, and it's coming off at Stanford, which like is not going to be super painful for them. So, okay, this is a f- 
Ooh, I'm going to give it a three for me. I am an Oregon State believer. Them finishing seven, if they finished seven in a row, they would probably what? They That might be a 10-2 and two finish, a 10-2 and two season for them, right? Assuming they beat the yeah, mid-majors ass- and lose to the big teams. Assuming they beat all the non-conference games and lose to USC and Utah. Yeah, that would be fun. Uh, I hope that that would be electric. That would be great. Okay, well, that's a good one. Um, Greg, let's go to you. What's your second hot take? My second hot take, I've got two that I feel like could go here, but I'm just going to go with uh, Stanford winless in conference play. Oh, another another team winless in conference play take. Yeah, I think Stanford is terrible, uh, and they don't play Colorado, so they don't have a scheduled win. Uh, there's only one game that I'm really worried about. They play US. They play ASU. I'm not worried about that. Uh, the one game that I'm really worried about is when they play Cal, but I think Cal will be slightly better. So uh, Stanford winless in conference play. Okay, so just to recap this one, they play. They host USC. They go at Washington, at Oregon, back-to-back. Uh, I love that, that their bye is week three. Yeah, it's very early. Uh, yeah, brutal. they have a long, a long, long stretch going into conference play. Then they uh, host Oregon State. Uh, they play at Notre Dame. Doesn't count. Not a conference game. Then uh, they host Arizona State at UCLA. Host Washington State at Utah at Cal uh, before they finish their season off with BYU again. Not a conference game. Greg, you're kind of picking them to go one and eleven here. Would not be shocked at all. You think their only win is Colgate? I mean, kind of. I think they're terrible, <laughs> like so bad. <laughs> do you think they could get one of BYU Notre Dame? No, I don't think they do. Uh, okay, BYU that's, I think that's, is better than them. This which is, is sad. Out. I that's, don't like to that. Pick would get BYU. David Shaw fired. No, it I don't know that it would. <laughs> what is, I don't I think, think it so. would because his recruiting it's, class last year was great. Eleven this year, it's going to be great again. And Stanford loves him, and they don't like one in eleven people. I, I think Stanford fans don't love him. I think Stanford fans. Oh, yeah, but Stanford fans, their opinions don't matter uh, because there's not enough of them. How many coaches that aren't first-year coaches survive after one win in the Power Five? How many coaches are being paid as much as David Shaw? I think that that would merely move his seat. You know when, like, you have, like, a heated blanket or something like that and you, like, realize that it's been turned off for two hours? But it's still somehow warm for some reason, but you don't act like, and then you turn on, you're like, nope, that wasn't warm at all. I think that would move his seat to like, to to that point where it's just like, it's warm enough for a regular blanket. Yeah. I just, I don't think his seat will get hot at all because uh, it's Stanford at a different school. He'd get fired. But honestly, it kind of looks like it might be about to get turned around uh, with the way he's been recruiting. Uh, but this year they're gonna suck. They're gonna suck so bad. Uh, and so I guess, yeah, might as well just make the take one and eleven Stanford. I I actually think that uh, one and eleven might might get him very close to fired. Uh, I know I get the whole Stanford commitment athletics. I think his seat would be hot the next year. When is his contract up? Uh, it's a private school, but I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, they. We never know. We never know with the private schools. I'm sure he has like eleven billion years. So I think he could. I think there's a possibility he could get fired. Uh, I, at the very least, it'll move him to a hot seat. I think that would do it. Um, I know that like Stanford has its weird athletic stuff, but like being this bad for this long, going three and nine, and then one and eleven. I don't know, man. And unless four and eight. Yeah, but I guess if, in 2020 they only had two losses. 
I mean, does that count? I, I don't know what athletics department is counting that shit. I don't think they probably don't even have <laughs> the idea of firing him on their mind. So mm-hmm. that's probably true. Like one in 11 would be like, oh, oh, maybe, maybe we should bad think now. about this, but let's not do <laughs> yeah, it yet. That's a fair point. Well, the last time that Stanford went one in 11 was in 2006 and Walt Harris was their coach. Didn't they go 0 in 12? And he got fired. They never went 0 in 12? Pretty sure they went on twelve ones. No, I don't see on twelve. Okay, on here. Okay. Um, all right. Well, rate this. Rate this take. Uh, who said this take? I did. The Greg. last time they had zero wins was nineteen sixty. Okay. Oh, I don't so think they'll they have zero wins. Oh right, you Carlos got, did. I, uh, silly Carlos. <laughs> all right, Matt. One to five. How hot of a take is it that Stanford goes zero and nine in conference? I have it as a four because there is way too much Stanford disease. In like the Oregon's and USC's and UCLA's of this conference for it to not exist in some of the lower teams as well. Okay. Avery, one to five. Yeah. Like someone's going to lose to Stanford. So I'd probably say it's a four too. Stanford is one of those teams to me that is, I can't like it's Stanford, Colorado that I'm sure will be complete, like historic generational ass. Uh, but Arizona State might also be there, and they play both. Stanford played both of those teams, I think. they uh, No, they missed Colorado. You said that earlier, Greg. They do play Arizona State. Arizona State may be generational ass. It's unclear. I'm going to give this a two. I think Stanford totally could bottom out. I Like, I don't know. They have zero momentum going into the season, and they got to hope Tanner McKee is, like, a, an, a, an incredible quarterback to kind of avoid going even one and eight. One and eight in conference so last season was their worst record since 2006 yeah it's they're on a downward trajectory and they have zero they have zero interest in in writing the ship so okay well that's greg's uh my next one i i need to look at uh i need to look at this here i'm picking one two three four i'm going to say four pac-12 teams get double digit wins this season you did this last year I did I not this exact take <laughs> when we thought but... three South teams would have 10 wins. <laughs> did I say that? Uh, and then us UCLA would have like nine or something. I'm going to extend Isn't this to the, I'm going to extend this to the bowl games and say that after the bowl season, they, there will be four pack 12 teams with at least 10 wins or more. And those four teams are, I think it's UCLA, Utah, USC and Oregon state. I think by you don't, you don't think Oregon is one of those. <sighs> Fuck it. Might five. as well make it then five. Then I think there's five. Then I think there's five double digits. No, this is the same take as last year. It's the same take. Oh, actually, no, no. I'm thinking of your Pac-12 basketball eight tournament teams take. <laughs> yeah, that one was psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean I just think that UCLA schedule is super easy. USC schedule is fairly easy. Utah schedule is. A tough, I guess, ish, tough, but not. But that, it's, it's easy, not to see, especially after a bowl game. Totally easy to yeah. see ten wins. We haven't been seeing bowl wins. That is the big thing. Is that <laughs> like I think one. Utah would be in a position like say if they go nine and three in the regular season, I think they'd get a winnable bowl game. Yes. Uh, UCLA, I don't think will win their bowl game because their schedule's so easy that they'll be put against a team that actually deserves to be there. Whereas UCLA will be frauds. Uh, Wasn't our last bowl game win like 2019? Okay, extenuating circumstances there. 2020 didn't play a bowl. 2019, the team quit. Uh, 2021, Rose Bowl against Ohio State. 
and then 2018. I'm talking about the Pac-12. I'm not oh. talking about Utah. <laughs> the Pac-12, um, Oregon, Oregon. Uh, oh yeah, they win. Win. Pa- pa- when's the last time they went? They had a win in a bowl game, didn't they? Win. We had five year? bowl games last year, and everyone lost. Yeah. I think it has to be when Oregon went to the Rose Bowl was our last bowl game. Yeah, that's right. 2019. That's right. They've got to win. They've got. I, and and I don't even think like a lot of them have to win it. Like I think UCLA could go ten and two into a bowl game and like lose that game. That that would put them at ten and three. Utah at nine and three would absolutely get a win of a bowl game. USC don't know what they are going to look like, but as long as they don't go to a playoff game, like and they may be ten and two or eleven and one going into a playoff game. So where it are those matter. ten wins coming from for UCLA and Oregon State if they're not coming against Oregon? And at that point, how does Oregon have ten wins? Mm-hmm. I don't know, Greg. I have to do the math, but like come that on. would mean that would mean like every team wins the games they should win, and that does not make sense. Well, I don't think that's even if that happens. Oregon winning the games they should win means they're beating UCLA and Oregon State. Or they could split those. I mean, they could be uh, they could be well, one that... and one against each other. Okay, they go one and one there. Then they also have to beat Utah to get to ten and two. I don't know, but they also have the bowl game. They could finish nine. But he's, three ta- he's the including game. the bowl oh, game. The bowl game. So, so technically, right, every right. team only has to have nine wins. Okay, it's yeah. more realistic. I still think it's crazy, not going to happen. But at <laughs> least it's feasible. Oh, I should say possible, mathematically possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, let's let's hear it. One to five, Matt. Let's start with you. How hot is this take? Did you say four teams or five teams? I'm saying five he now. Said Fuck five. It. I said five. That's a five. Yeah, that's okay. a five. Well, okay. If I had said four, what is it? A that's four? A four. Yeah. <laughs> still a five yeah. for me. Okay. Uh, yeah, Avery? it's still pretty. Yeah. I think it's a five. Okay. I don't think they're going to win the bowl games. Yeah. <laughs> I think like, uh, I think there will be two 10-win teams and three 9-win teams and the 9-win teams will Yeah, I don't think theirs. all the 9-win teams are going to win their bowl. I think the problem yeah. is that the these teams will have overinflated resumes. Well, not resumes, but like overinflated records because they played a lot of bad to Pac-12 teams, and then they'll play like legitimately good teams in the bowl games that are better than them. But isn't that what we want? Like, don't we want the Pac-12 to like have a very winnable bottom so that they boost their res- records like this? Yeah, I totally agree. I think that that is it will make the Pac-12 look good for most of the season. But once we get to the bowl games. Those teams will be exposed as frauds, which is why I don't like this. Okay. All right. That's fair. Uh, all right. So let's move on to our last uh, hot take here for the 2022 offseason. It's Matthew Hubertson. Matthew Hubertson, send us off for, with your last hot take here. Oh, <laughs> I hate this one. Um, Utah will make the playoff over a one-loss SEC team. Wow. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. So you think Utah is going to go undefeated? I think the SEC will have an undefeated conference champ. And so I think I think Utah will make the playoff over the one-loss second SEC team. So in this scenario, Utah has to have, you know, obviously at most Utah only loss. has one loss in this scenario. I, I think Utah has to be undefeated in this scenario. <laughs> Yeah, I they think have Utah with the conference championship can get in over a one-loss SEC team. A one-loss uh, Utah? A one-loss Utah? A one-loss Utah with a conference title game, assuming... One-loss Utah? If their loss is to Oregon. Yeah, assuming that the loss comes against Oregon and they avenge it in the Pac-12 title game. Okay. I think that you can do that. I don't know. I would really like it if Utah beat Oregon twice again. That was a good it time. very funny. Gotta be honest. Enjoyed it. But so then you need like Georgia to go 
Georgia Alabama Georgia to lose in the SEC championship. Yeah, Georgia game. Alabama undefeated or, into the championship game. What would you know? What would make that more feasible is if Florida has a great year. Of course, Florida's not going to be better than Georgia, but like since Utah is playing Florida. Well, I think it's good that Utah's at least playing a Power Five team. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I think what's to stop this scenario? Uh, the the place where this breaks down for me as a hot take is can't both SEC teams get in and Utah? Uh, uh, that's assuming that you don't have like Ohio State or Michigan. Yeah, so then that only leaves room for one of Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson. Yeah, there there's space for one of those. Uh, one of those. There's space for one of them. But that would be crazy if two SEC teams get in and a Pac-12 team. That'd be wild. Yeah, I don't think I, that's I, even that wild. I think historically it's wild. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a Pac-12. I don't think a Pac-12 team going. Well, one lost Pac-12 team will miss they've never missed and i don't think their they loss will miss. has to be to oregon or usc or usc the, the, whoever the loss comes against it needs to be avenged in the title game i think none of you none of you yeah. cowards uh wanted to go with uh we're getting two pac-12 teams in the playoff no no one wanted to go with usc 12-0 really. 12-0 utah <laughs> <Not really>. utah 11 <laughs> and one yeah. usc <laughs> and oregon both 12 and 0 that would be play in the title game. Hilarious! Oh my god! <laughs> no, I, the way the reason the biggest reason that I see this is that I don't know that Georgia gets in as a twelve and one conference championship loser. I think Alabama does. I just think Alabama is that much better than Georgia. Okay, all right, fair enough. Uh, well, let's rate this take, Greg. One to five. How hot is this take that Utah would get in over? I think it's a five, but I like it a lot. You know, like I think it's <laughs> unlikely for that all to happen, but I can see a scenario where it does. Okay, so I'll give it a four. Uh, yeah. Okay. But great, great hot take. Avery, one to five. That's a five. <laughs> a Pac-12 team in the playoff, an undefeated Pac-12 team in the playoff. That's cr- that's crazy. Uh, I'm gonna give this. I'm gonna give this a three. I think I think Utah is totally good enough to go 12 and 0. They should be favored. In every, in every single game, game yeah. they play. Every, they, they Beta rank, I think, has them favored in every single game. And Utah does, I, I don't know, I, I should look at their records against the spread, but I feel like they tend to be, they tend to deliver. Like, I don't think they're one of the Pac-12 programs that, like, do they have fluky losses? Like, yeah, kind of, but, like, that's when they had less talent, uh, and that's when they hadn't proved themselves. But, like, they have the talent now to, like, perform to expectations and not get lost in some in some of the hype. I think Utah's probably the best the best shot the Pac-12 has had in a long time at getting a team undefeated. How crazy is that? Yeah. To yeah. Say. It's wild. Uh I would love for this to happen except like Utah fans would be happy and I <laughs> if there's anything I hate. What's more annoying? More. What's more annoying? Happy Oregon fans or happy Utah fans? Oh no, Oregon fans <laughs> that are happy are not that annoying, I think. Uh it's Oregon fans that are not happy that are very, very. <laughs> it's very Oregon annoying. fans that think they're better than they are that are. Yeah, hopeful. That's true. Hopeful like, Utah Oregon fans. fans. Horrible Utah Oregon fans, fans in general they're, are they're just so annoying. Utah fans in general just suck, and like I don't, I don't want to see them happy. But like I'm a Utah <laughs> fan, so what does that mean? Yeah, depression. That's fair. Is what that means. Great philosophy. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what that's diagnosed as. <laughs> uh all right well any other hot takes that people want to throw out there that they didn't really get to say uh bowl eligible asu holy that's pretty hot (laughs) that's pretty hot that's crazier than utah going to the playoffs 
It was either that one or the Stanford take, and I decided that I'm more convinced that Stanford's going to be terrible, so I went with that. But the other hot tank I was thinking of was that not a single Pac-12 coach gets fired this year, but like Mm. Carl Durrell. I don't know. Like Carl Durrell's the most likely, but I don't. I don't think that's that hot. Yeah. Because how many coaches got fired last year? Four. I what is what is a program that would fire their coach with all the uncertainty of like the media deal and a realignment yeah. and everything like that is I'm trying yeah. to look and see if there's any stupid programs like that. Like Cal's not going to fire Justin Wilcox. David Shaw's not going to get fired. I think Colorado could fire Carl Durrell or ASU could fire Herm Edwards. Ray Anderson, and I think, you mean? Uh, UCLA could fire Chip if he doesn't have a good year. Yeah, but UCLA is going to be bowl eligible at least. Yeah. I Their schedule is way easy. He should be fired if it's an 8-1 season. That actually would be um, smart for UCLA. If you're not carrying Chip Kelly into the Big Ten, you got to drop it. Fire him now. Yeah. Yeah. But are they going to do that? Yeah. Who knows? All right. This next segment is for the true sickos. We are joined by Rob Bowron, co-host of 12 Pack Radio, co-purveyor of Sharp College Football, and the mastermind behind Beta Rank, the coolest advanced analytics model in college football. Rob, we're really excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Uh, I always enjoy talking about the Pac-12, and um, I like to. I, I'm, I'm happy to help evangelize advanced stats at the very least so that people are not like yelling at me about like did you see that this offense put up this many points per game and i'm like just points (laughs) per drive like let's start there (laughs) yeah we'll we'll get into that i want to i want to explain beta rank a little bit but but uh you know we want to get all of your thoughts about the pac-12 and uh catch uh, sort of catch people up on your thoughts around the Pac-12, but I do want to see if see see if we can explain Beta Rank to our listeners. And I'm going to try something a little bit different. I've heard a couple of your explainers on Beta Rank over the over the years, but I just want to kind of try to see. What I thought I'd do is I'm going to try to explain it, and you're going to tell me if I got it. Okay, okay? sounds <laughs> gonna good. Give you, you're going to give me a rating of one to five for an explanation for how beta rank works. Okay. Okay. So uh, I'm going to start here. I've got this little script here. Uh, people are familiar with basic football stats. You just mentioned it, right? Like yards per game, points per game, that sort of stuff. And the way we kind of compare teams, the layman might compare teams is we might be like, oh, UCLA gets 27 and a half points per game and 400 yards per game. USC gets 25 and a half points per game and 385 yards per game. So I have a good feeling that UCLA is a That's a good example and- that you picked. <laughs> but obviously, there. yeah. Uh, obviously not useful though, right? I think most of our listeners agree. We agree that's kind of a silly way to do it. Um, advanced stats generally try to help us kind of predict or project the outcomes of games by looking more at things like efficiency. So SP plus is a big one that I think has kind of fallen out of favor, partly because it's way less accessible, I think, than it ever has been behind that ESPN paywall. But the other big one is beta rank. Um, and I just kind of wanted to bring that up to compare them a little bit because people always get confused. Why would I look at beta rank or why would I look at SP plus and like, what's the difference between those? my understanding is SP plus looks really hard at yards. Like how many yards you gained against how many yards you could have gotten or how many yards you gained based on how many yards you needed contextually, that sort of thing. And beta rank on the other hand, looks at drive efficiency, like an, like at the, the, the unit there is a drive, um, at its core, it's a metric based on things like you just mentioned points per drive. So for example, the benefit there of doing that is if UCLA plays super slow and only had the ball 10 times in a game, but they scored on eight of those 10, that might, that means something very different for beta rank than if they scored eight times off 16 possessions. Um, 
on top of that, though, beta rank also considers things like strength of the opponent um, and their sort of points per drive and their efficiency, their drive efficiency, uh, how explosive they are, whether they've had good drives or bad drives, and on and on and on. Um, and the result of all of that is one number, one metric per team that is meant to se- meant to tell us how likely they are to beat another team. So tell me, Rob, one to five stars, how did Please I do? And what, what would you add to that explanation? <laughs> no, so the, I'd give that like a four. Like, because I, okay. I think you, right. no, no, cause I think you hit it because people often do come back and they're like, what do I need this for? Right. Like there's a, and there are, I mean, even since I, I mean, I was working at the New York times and I was bored out of my mind. I mean, the journalism side of the New York times is wonderful. The business, the business side is slightly organized chaos. Um, and I was just like, I, lo- I was going through ESPN's website and I was going through their numbers and I was like, I do this professionally. I could do better than this. Mm. Um, and I think I do, you know, like I mean, I pat myself on the back. But I, I mean, I think that, I mean, the one of the important things with beta rank that is different is that you're not going to find in particular with yards and play specific based models is they don't have the concept of drive efficiency. They don't have the concept built in there that says like, hey, being able to put together plays and execute and be consistent and have, you know, a, your play caller be able to script a drive is a valuable skill um, on top of, you know, putting up big plays and things like that. Right. So it does. And I, I like to think of it, too, is fundamentally um, drives are like at bats in baseball. Right. Like, I mean, you want to like the points per drive. Every, everything with ev- literally everything you're going to encounter within beta rank comes back to a points per drive fit, right? Everything has to fit into that concept. And that is like, if you were going to say like the one overarching model that everything else connects to in beta rank is points per drive. How, how does that compare to EPA? So EPA, that's yeah. a yards. And that is like, so it is EPA is much more looking at like it is looking at situation and it is looking at and it is trying to assign for that situation and then for that outcome, how many points would that mm. add across the season, right? Like so if you have third and ten at your opponent's twenty-seven, it's sort of looking across the season and saying, like, you know, what happens when people have third and ten at twenty-seven, like and they and they convert, right? Do they like how many points is that generally worth or not? Um I don't, I, I have a friend um, who you all should follow on Twitter, uh, Parker Stats mm-hmm. of War. <laughs> he does, he does a lot of, like he just did, you know, he was on Reddit. Um, he does a lot of EPA based stuff um, and he's got an EPA based, um, uh, pre- he's got an EPA based predictor for win probability and spread. Um, and, and like, so like last season, like, and I, I, I try to be fully transparent with people, um, like the projection model. So like, there's two parts to, unfortunately, like the early part of the season, like there's two parts to beta rank. It, one of is like a necessary evil. You have what in modeling is called the cold start problem. I don't have any data on college football until teams actually start playing. <laughs> so if I just ran a model, you should figure that out. You should. <laughs> I know. Like, <laughs> I, I, should, I need to figure out a way to get, to get, um, you know, like fall camp stats. Um, Surely those are normalized. That <laughs> I would, I would enjoy that a lot more than the projection model. So the projection model is basically like weighted in with Bayesian weighting. Like each mm-hmm. week, 
the projection model counts for less up to week five or six for me. And then I'm done with any out of season data. I like, I know SP plus FPI, they all continue to include recruiting rankings and things like that. Beta rank predicts just fine without it. I, I get no increase in information gain. So the, but like the projection model for beta rank last season, I stunk. Like that 2020 data, I didn't appropriately control for it. And I came out just terrible. But if you look at what happened after week six, and that is when beta rank switched over fully to in-season data, the I beta rank went on a heater just on in-season data, um, beat S&P by a good margin, um, beat some paid some models that people sell their picks for by a good margin. But Parker's EPA was up there, mm -hmm. you know, like, and I don't, so I don't want to say like, there's lots of ways to skin this cat. Beta rank is something I sort of like sat in a dark room and came up with on my own. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> I had like working at the times. It was really cool. Andrew Gelman, who was like a, a huge name in statistics. We, he came in and spoke at the New York times and I was like, wow, that's really cool. That's like, he came and talked about, Bayesian hierarchical modeling. And I was like, I think I have an idea for this. <laughs> so I don't even yeah. like, I, I looked at it and I, I went at it in a different way than I think other people did. Um, but I don't like, I, I, I'm not here to like be like, Oh no, this is bad. Or this is good. Like there's value in like an EPA will tell you different things than, than beta rank necessarily will because beta rank is less situational. It is controlling for opponent field position starting on like the drive. Um, but I'm not asking, I'm not asking the question of like, you know, like if you converted this or not, how much EPA did you add? I will say, and I'm a stickler for this. Um, if you guys see EPA rankings that are like ranking players, like I don't buy those at all. No. Um, EPA remains a team offense, defense coordinator type metric. So when you see people ranking running backs or quarterbacks based on EPA, like uh, that's, that's not something I buy into. Um, and that's fairly popular, but yeah, I, I like, we don't, that's, we're, we don't have enough data to ac accurately control for what each player is individually contributing mm -hmm. um, in there. I mean, college football produces such little data generally, like, like there's just not a lot of data out there from college football. So I cannot imagine the utility of, of narrowing that, subsetting that further to an individual player. <laughs> I cannot imagine that that's particularly helpful. And I, I try to be like, I mean, I try to do this in my professional work. I try to be honest with people, right? Like, I'm not going to sell you, like, I'm not going to tell you, like, math is magic, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't magically turn, you know, like, uh, you know, rocks into gold. It's not alchemy, right? Like, I, I try to be honest, like, there are limitations to data, and I will tell you the best that we can get out of it. And, I mean, I buy data from the same folks that provide data to the College Football Playoff Committee. I'm confident in the accuracy of what I'm getting. Um, I don't have to go back and do any, like, you know, like a uh, hard, like, you know, clean data, as much data cleaning, I think as some people do that like scrape the data. Um, so that's handy. It allows, it allows me to get it all done in about 15 minutes that's on nice. a Sunday morning. That's very nice. Um, I, I had a, I had a question for you. Uh, I think cause a lot of people wonder about stuff like this. I have a good sense about what you might say to this question, but tell us why sometimes teams that don't have good records or that we qualitatively sort of, conclude that they're not good teams end up highly ranked on beta rank and another ad advanced analytic systems but you know you know beta rank the best here the most yeah. obvious recent example to me is like 2019 washington i think they went seven and five 
in the regular season. Um, but I think they finished number 16 in beta rank that, that season. What, what is, tell us a little bit about like what's going on analytically with a case like that. I mean, like last season we had one of the best examples ever in Nebraska. Oh yeah. <laughs> like <Nebraska>. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's right. I mean, I don't pay attention to truck stops. <laughs> yeah. so I didn't know that. Um, best three and nine team ever. Yeah. I mean, Nebraska, <laughs> I mean, beta rank was high on the Huskers. So you, so here's what you often have in those cases. One, college football is made up of how good you are, um, and but it's also made up of how good your opponents are. So schedule plays a critical role in all of this, right? And so um, it is, you know, like a like a and and I get it, fans. We're but I mean, when I watch football, I'm interested in wins and losses. I'm interested in a lot of other stuff too, but wins and losses still matter to me. Um, and I think that fans in particular really care. And so like the, you know, having that win loss record, I think, and it, it, it's, it is easier to sort of understand, you know, not everyone is like renting out a server on Google's cloud, like I am and like doing a bunch of fancy <laughs> math, right? Like, so the, I do think that that matters to people, but I also like, so, I mean, schedule is, is is critical right like if you draw a tough schedule if you're in the sec west if you draw like but the other part that comes in is like man sometimes bad i get and people like and this is a weird one to explain to people fundamentally misunderstand randomness <laughs> so um like radio lab has far and away the best explainer on randomness it's a they have an episode stochasticity which is the fancy word for randomness um that everyone should listen to. I always recommend people should listen to, to understand randomness. Right. But like people, people look at all the time at highly unlikely outcomes. What are, what they think, and they think like, that's impossible. Like twins who were separated at birth meeting on the street, you know, like people winning the lottery twice, like that kind of thing. But in a large, like if you play enough college football seasons, weird stuff's going to happen. And you're going to have teams that have in every season who have horrible turnover luck, horrible turnover luck. You're also going to have teams like Iowa last season that have incredible turnover luck. <laughs> so you're like Iowa's offense last season was hideous, hideous. They were like in just raw points per drive. They were like 109 in the country, just epic futility for a power five team. They won like 10 games. <laughs> you know, it, it, like and they had what was what was causing this like they had they led the nation in turnovers um and this is true like more often than not like more often than not when i open up a box score and there's been some unexpected result that has happened i open it up and i'm like well, what happened and it's usually turnovers like if there were no turnovers i'd be right all the time right like <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm right most of the time with turnovers, but like usually when I'm wrong, like usually when beta ranks wrong, it is there are turnovers are, are like the underlying culprit. And there are going to be some teams who have every year, there are going to be teams that have multiple turn, like Iowa state in, was it Iowa state last season too? Had so like had some bad turnover games and that like, that's what I'd say is like, you're going to have, teams that have bad luck you're going to have teams that have hard schedules and those are usually the ones that we come back and we're like all right well they're actually better than we thought they just had you know some bad luck but it's also true like and i um i can ramble on so you guys will, you guys <laughs> will inevitably have to like either cut me off but um another another part of this too is that um rankings impose 
the appearance of linearity on the distribution. Mm -hmm. Right. So, mm -hmm. and what I mean when I say that is like one to two and two to three are the same amount in everyone's mm -hmm. mind. Right. But beta rank's not linear in its distribution. In fact, as you get out towards the edges, the space between teams often grows. Um, and I, one of the things that I think beta rank does really well is handle outlier teams. Right. So like 2019 LSU, I think I was the only model that had LSU favored over Clemson and I had him favored by like a lot more, than, <laughs> I had maybe by more than Vegas, um, in there. And it's, it is like, so the, the teams that the, like, so if you're at number 16, you might be a 17 point underdog to number one, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, so, and teams are going to kind of finish. It, it is that part, I think often feels counterintuitive, like counterintuitive to a lot of fans is the part where you're like, actually, Nebraska is kind of good. And we're like, what are you talking about? Nebraska's won three games. Like Scott Frost is on the hot seat. <laughs> yeah. Or on the flip side, like Pitt's offense last season put up a ton of points against a tissue soft bunch of ACC defenses. Like their strength of schedule, like, for, you know, for those defenses was like 107 or something like that in beta rank. I mean, just... Uh, I mean, congratulations, like on playing college <laughs> football. I mean, but it's that it's that level of um, it, like that that stuff often sort of sits behind the scenes. And like I've had like I, I previewed Pitt. I have him at like number nineteen coming into the year. Like I feel like Pitt fans should be happier with me. But every time I they see where I had their <laughs> offense last season, they're they're very very mad at me. <laughs> Interesting. Well, and that's I mean. It's interesting when you talk about the distribution of it, because that's what the distribution of college football looks like. The difference between mm -hmm. the 16 team and the 55 team is probably yeah. a lot closer than 16 and one. Um, when you actually look at, at what happens on yes, the field, exactly. kind of going into, as you look back on the teams I was playing around with the team metrics for the 2021 season and like those schedules that you have still up there. And I had a couple of questions. Number one. So it looks like you don't like freeze the data on those schedules so as you're as you're looking at the spreads and everything that's cumulative, right so yeah so what'll happen is over the season and it's i've had that question in the past one is like it's it, it's it would be a lot of work uh, yeah <laughs> for me, like, to me to to freeze those in time and be able to show that um the other part is is and I'm a I'm a big believer and it's not that like I am keeping track of like how beta rank performs in a week to week, again, in a frozen sense. Right. Um, and I do try to tell people we, every week how beta rank did against the spread. Right. Um, but it's also like, we get more information. Like there's information gain every week about these teams. Right. And so I, I don't ever want to be the, like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a good idea to freeze and say like, Oh, we, this is what they were. That kind of thing, right? I guess you could say. But it, I, I get where you're coming from because, like, I, I have had people in the past accuse me of like hiding my, like, trying to like hide the bodies or something like that. Like, I'm not trying to hide the bodies. <laughs> no, like, I, I was. You can you can download yeah. it. It's <laughs> like, no, I was, I was excited when seeing it because so you look at Utah's season last year, and part of this is because I'm a Utah fan, and then part of this is just I think Utah's the most known quantity going into this year. Beta rank has Utah favored significantly yeah. in every single game. Uh, besides Rose Bowl, what what does yeah. that tell about you know as you look at that? What does that then build as far as a story for Utah season last year? And is there any predictive value in that for you? 
Yes. So I would also say, uh, and this is something that I do differently than other models out there, is BetaRank has a time decay built in. I care more about what happened recently. Um, and that, and I say this is like, look, everybody's math is a little different. So like, I don't get any, I, I get no information gain from including recruiting rankings, you know, um, but other people don't get any information gain from tilting the data. I do. I, I predict better at the end of the season by weighting the end of the season results more. Um, so for Utah, by the time we get to the end of the year, I do not care about Charlie Brewer games nearly as much, <laughs> you know, uh, as I do about all the games that came after. Um, and that's critical. So what BetaRank does is it catches hot teams, right? Like 2019 LSU, like it catches hot teams as they get hot in the season. And I'm not, I'm not giving a, a, a univariate weight to every game, right? Like the, the games are being weighted. I'm all, there's also a garbage time built in there too. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm also weighting the individual drives um, differently as well. So like if a game gets out of hand, I, I care less about what's going on. Um, but they're still in there. Like I don't talk, like some people just toss them entirely. I'm just like, I just weight these less. Um, but for Utah in particular, like by the time we got to the end of the season versus where some other models that do a flat distribution of weight, like beta ranks much higher on the Utes at the end of the year last mm -hmm. year and beta rank. Um, yeah, beta, I mean, I was a little nervous. So I, I, I will admit. So in 2019, Beta rank was pretty high on the Utes going into that Pac-12 championship. And same, so I, same, I, same. I had, <laughs> yeah. Vegas was high on the Utes, beta rank was high. I had a little bit of like, oh man, I have stuck my hand on this hot stove mm -hmm. before heading <laughs> yeah. into those games in Oregon. Because like beta rank had Utah as this like huge favorite. I'm just like, oh man, I've seen this movie. So I, yeah. I kept... Um, I was doing a little personal hedging. I was like, the model is saying this, but I just want to be clear that like, it is possible that we've missed something again, right? Um, but in this case, no, like it, it really did catch the Utes offense coming on really hot. Um, the Utes defense also, I think, came together a little bit more over the year, in particular, like the defensive line, I think got a little better. They, uh, they were still a little susceptible to some big pass plays. Um, and not just the Ohio State game, <laughs> but the, um, <laughs> yeah. um, cause that's not like, I didn't even like just FYI, like I kicked out any, all the non-playoff bulls last year, I kicked out. Like I took one look at the data after keeping it in and the game in particular was like, where I think like LSU had maybe like 40 guys dress against Kansas State because of COVID. Yeah. And I was like, nope, this is garbage. This data yeah. is bad. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like so if you're if you were watching like if you're watching beta rank versus other models and you're wondering why beta rank might be ranking somebody higher, it is very often because uh like in for Utah like in particular, right? Like it is catching that the Utes are getting really hot. It also will catch teams like and it it does in a very indirect way try to help me control for injuries, like really important injuries, because I can't directly control for those. Like if I had to actually maintain an injury database, I'd lose my mind. Um, yeah. so it does help me start to catch that a little bit. If teams start to fall off, like the other thing that beta, I would say, as I'm saying, this is like what you're going to catch differently from other models. Like other models have to do 
I like I don't want to say like I, I'm actually going to like a, like an analytics get together like I'm friends with the head of data science at uh, Pro Football Focus. I'm going to like a data like like a sports dork get together in Cincinnati <laughs> tomorrow. But I don't want to sound like I'm just like everybody else does terrible math and you know. But one of the things that BetaRank does is like I don't you'll talk you'll hear people talk about having to build in conference adjustments, and that is mm-hmm. they are having to put into the dist- their, their posterior distribution, they have to build in an adjustment to try to like move the conferences together. Uh, BetaRank does that automatically. Like I just don't, it's it's in the models. Like, yeah, the, model, the decay like, on I, it. Yeah. I built it. Yeah, I built the models to be able to make these adjustments themselves. And so I don't have to make any arbitrary weighting decisions. Um, and so BetaRank, but BetaRank makes much bigger opponent adjustments than a lot of other models do. So, like, if you go out and you have a doozy of a game against Maryland, BetaRank's going to be like, Maryland's actually terrible, so guess what we think about you? <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, we I want to stick, you know, Matt asked a question about Utah. I want to kind of veer us now a little bit to talk about the Pac-12. You are a Pac-12 sicko, uh, an Arizona fan, I think, for folks who don't know. Is that right? I- my, 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 I finished up my undergrad at the U of A. They, uh, I, uh, I've been sober for a while and, uh, they took me like Arizona, Arizona took, Arizona took me in Arizona, like, uh, sort of, um, when some other places I spent a year at a community college, uh, doing the like, Hey, if you actually go to class, it's not that hard thing. Um, Arizona took me in and then like, sort of like, uh, Put, uh, and put me on a different trajectory out of it. Like I got into grad school, like super easy after being in Arizona. Like they sort of like took me in and put me on a different trajectory in life. So I am, I am like a deep seated Arizona fan in ways that like maybe yeah. other people are not. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah, like, part of your story. Just uh, something that set you off on a, on something completely different uh, and something that seems fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, based on all you know about the Pac-12, based on all of the numbers that you're crunching back there on your calculator, uh, is there a team in the Pac-12 that you think fans, prognosticators, talking heads like us are sleeping on that beta rank might say, like, could you could have a better season than people are expecting? So here's the one that I think is... And I, I say I'm gonna like walk right into this because like they'll like fire Herm in the middle of the season and like everyone will be like oh we just, just talked like about them or something <laughs> like that so that possibility <laughs> I want to throw that possibility out there but I also think that like I mean you saw the Pac-12 media poll you know like they have ASU like right above Arizona and Colorado and I'm like if they don't like if that NCAA dra- investigation drags on. Their schedule is not that hard, and the UNL. So here's the th- like here's one of those fun things about like running your own college football model is like UNL. Like you get to find things like this, like like e- like ECU. I was right on against the spread on ECU a bunch. I was right against the spread with UNLV a bunch last season. They were sneaky, better mm. than expected. And ASU's offensive coordinator is going to run the quarterback quite a bit. They got Emory Jones. I think it'll work largely. Now they have, now they have, like, I'm not saying, this is not me saying, like, ASU's going to be good. (laughs) I'm saying versus where expectations are for ASU, I think people are underrating what the Sun Devils could be, right? And I think, I mean, like, there's obvious ones, like, Beta Rank, I don't think, I don't think, the beta rank and I don't think other models are really able to adequately handle 
right. the current transfer situation. Mm-hmm. Like we just, like, I don't think I have good enough data to handle it. Um, it also auto, also does not see coaching mm-hmm. changes mm-hmm. from the get go. Right. So like, um, USC is a <laughs> yeah. totally unknown commodity for versus beta rank right now. Right. Um, I think offensively they could be awesome. I just, I'm just a little more skeptical about the defense. I want to see that. Um, but yeah, I mean like there's, and there's, there's some teams that I also think have potential upside. Like, I mean, oddly, like, I just, like, it's like I'm ready. Yeah, to tell me why Beta Rank is wrong about Arizona. <laughs> we love Arizona. On this so Beta Rank, Beta Rank has so yeah. Rank has Arizona really <laughs> low, um, and part of that is is that uh, they have really low coaching and development. Right, like they have not like relative to the recruiting classes they've brought in. Relative, and it's not like they're recruiting like gangbusters, but they've been even worse than that. Um, you know, like, so there's, they're not getting like a bump out of that or anything. It doesn't, I don't think it really is able to handle the Jane Delora transfer, um, you know, as well. Uh, and, and the fact that they got like a real, a couple of real impact players, like, I mean, McMillan might be a genuine real impact day one player cowing from, uh, or cowings from, uh, UTEP, you know, like, I don't know how much Arizona slipped him in NIL money, but like getting him to <laughs> Oregon, like that's impressive. So, I mean, like, I think that, I, like, I think Arizona, I'm not going to predict them to win many games, but I would project that they are going to be significantly better in advanced stats than we are expecting coming into this year. And I will say this too. And, um, one of the dads of like, uh, he's pretty active on Twitter, fathering Ham's dad. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. Like he found one of my tweets and he's like, Arizona is the only team that played like like that like even in losses, like played hard all sixty minutes last season. And I'm like, that's weird but true. Like they were, <laughs> yeah. they were incredibly yeah. bad and yeah. seemingly never quit, even though they I mean, like I have some questions like I last season like they like they settled on Gunner. Like I think Jed Fish sort of like when um a baseball scout like falls in love with like, there's some like six foot four mm-hmm. Adonis <laughs> high school, like, you know, first base prospect. And they're like, yeah, he's got the projectable body. Like, I think they fell in love with like Gunnar Cruz is like, he's an enormous human who throws the football far, like far, <laughs> but turns out can't read the defense. Um, <laughs> you know, and so like he really stuck with Cruz to like the, like, to the detriment of the team. Like I think Arizona could have maybe beat BYU last year if they would have been playing Jordan McLeod. Mm-hmm. But it is like, I, I think Arizona's team, a team that I'm not is uh, like, I think beta rank and they're not high on them, but could be even worse as Colorado. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, the trans- we are a uh, Colorado is going. Oh, and 12 podcast. Well, <laughs> Greg, Greg is, Greg is leaving out that me and him have a show bet about Arizona where I'm saying that Arizona is getting four conference wins. So beta rank is scaring me all over the place right now. No, I mean, you can talk, I mean, you can talk like the PAC 12 was horrible last season. Horrible. Um, But it's one of the things though, that like sort of gives you pause and a little bit, because it's like, I think Bruce Feldman, who's my favorite college football writer had um, a rundown of UCLA in the athletic today. And he's like, people are really high on UCLA. Like, and they could have won 10 games. And I'm like, yeah, but the Pac-12 was so bad. And should we expect, I mean, should we expect them to be, that's the sort of quite like, if everybody bounced back 
and you know, and, and, and it's hard to say like on some of these, cause like there's a, there's a lot of transfers coming in. Like, I mean, I, I think people should reasonably expect Washington to field a much more competent offense than they had last year. And maybe the best offense that they've had since Jonathan Smith was calling plays there. Cause the bar is really low. Like none of those Bush Hamdan offenses were any good either. Right. And so like if those teams bounce back, like it's going to be harder to, to come by wins, but like, I, th- I'm not sold on, I'm not sold on any Justin Wilcox offensive coordinator. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. At all. Like, I mean, you can talk, like, I, I mean, I think ASU is gettable at the end of the year if they did collapse, like if you're an Arizona fan. I mean, like, I like that San Diego State game, San Diego State's offense is archaic. And they lost yeah. the punter. They um, lost their only weapon. And so it's, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and so, like, you could talk yourself into, like, Arizona maybe being in that game. Like, Mississippi State's Yeah, but it's Mike Leach. Oh, yeah. Mike Leach. It's Mike <laughs> Leach in an early non-con <laughs> Mike Leach has, Come on. <laughs> yes, but also, like, Mike Leach has absolutely owned Arizona's soul. Like, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> and look, I mean, Jed Fish and staff, like, there's no more Marcel Yates. But, like, I mean, like, Mike Leach used to come in and just paste Arizona. Um, and Mississippi State was sneaky good last season. Um, they're a team that I think actually could surprise people this year. But, yeah, I don't know what they're like. They, they're not great. Greg Byrne put together the schedule and then, like, jammed out to Alabama. And he's like, here, take San Diego State, North Dakota State, Mississippi <laughs> State. fucking insane. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, like, I would trade, like, I, we were going through UCLA the other day on the podcast, and I was like, why doesn't this, why don't they trade this schedule with Arizona? Like, UCLA would actually, like, probably end up with a good TV spot mm-hmm. with some of yeah. these games. And Arizona could sure as hell use the wins against, like, I don't know, Eastern Michigan or whatever the hell's on. Like, it's. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Rob. I often look at the Pac-12 without like thinking about advanced stats because this is the weirdest conference and stupid shit happens. And I call it reading the vibes. Um, (laughs) For example, in 2021, expecting Oregon State to beat Utah because of no other reason than I feel it in my bones. And so do you... That was was the most ridiculous game. Like (laughs) Utah's Utah's run defense was pretty good last year. And Oregon State, who... I say this because he was also the O-line coach at Arizona for a long time. And before that at Cal, Jim Mahalchuk is the most underrated position coach in the conference. He is so freaking good at the, with that Oregon State offensive line. Like they oh, went it's, in and, and it's art. Yeah. What they're doing there, it's, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's gorgeous. If he could just hire a defensive like, <laughs> What was, what was he doing uh, from their staff from after staff? firing your DC? We just <laughs> we talked about know. it yesterday. Yeah. So dumb. But <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like Chip Kelly hiring like it's like you like if you pulled out the two resumes of McGovern and Azanaro, they're the same. They're the exact same I've never same seen someone like, uh, make a defensive coordinator hire that was like a troll. <laughs> and he did, which was wild to me. Um, Jonathan Smith said, we don't need defense. We just need to run the damn ball. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, do you have any predictions for the upcoming season that aren't necessarily backed up by all your fancy stats, but you just feel like will happen? 
<laughs> Besides Arizona, because obviously we're bowling. We're bowling. Oh man, <laughs> I would go. Oh, I would wow. go to that bowl. Like I, I like, I, like I, would, I would be there. I'd, I'd be like, be like your favorite team of all time. <laughs> yes, like yeah. we'd we be like that. Uh, that Rob Snyder from like the Water Boy. Like we do not suck. Like <laughs> I might as well be like like Arizona twenty twenty two. You know, I do feel like so. I, I actually feel like Arizona, like Oregon State is going to outperform where Beta Rank has them. Um, yes. I am not. No, I'm, I, I in no way condone their defense or the decisions that have been made. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I think it's illegal. I think to their defense honestly. will still suck profoundly. But I think the offense is going to be really good. I do. I mean, I think Chance, like, I like. <clears throat> I think people are too hard on Chance Nolan. Um, I don't think he's really good, but I think he's fine. I also, God, now I'm forgetting the name. Who's that quarterback? That, oh, uh, ja- Jebbia? No, no, Jebbia. Not, not Jebbia. Kristen Jebbia. The one that, like, Luton. Jake Luton. The Jake Luton Oh, Duke Lu- Jake Luton, yes. So he got, yes. he got into an <laughs> NFL training camp. After after two years right now in the Hall of Fame game. After two years, like (laughs) in his first year with Jonathan Smith, he looked marginally competent, and everyone was saying, "Like, is he even going to hold on to the job coming into the season?" Right? Year two, he took a step forward, and I'm not like I just I think Nolan has the potential to be the next Jake Luton ish type. Like, take a step forward. I think Smith. does a, just does a tremendous job with that offense uh, and that staff. And and le- I know people, like, they do lose some guys on that offensive line, but, like, there's like I think it, I'm at the point where it's like, eh, Mahalchuk's got it. Like, they'll be good. They're going to run the ball. People are like, oh, their they're running back's gone. I'm like, they will figure out somebody to run the ball to. Like, now yeah. what worries me is, like, you don't have to respect the wide receivers. <laughs> you do, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a bit yes. like Utah. It's like. How do you not know what's coming, right? Like or like UCLA. It's like it's like yeah. UCLA, right? It's like Chip Kelly is going to run the ball at you in interesting ways, and they are going to throw to the tight end, and that's really all you have to worry about. Like you don't have to double cover yeah. outside. Like your safeties can come in and cover the middle of the field. Nobody needs help outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's it's funny you say. It. I mean, these are all things that we were just talking about. Uh, Oregon and Oregon State, and all of these things about Oregon State. I feel like hit the nail on the head. Uh, and like we so we have varying opinions about how good they'll be, but like some of us are thinking eight wins. Some are just completely beaver pilled here and saying ten wins. Like it's uh, <laughs> their their schedule. I think Oregon's going to be good. I, that's a question. I, I <laughs> an interesting thing that we were kind of talking about is that they get. Uh, they're two of their three toughest games at home. So they get USC at racer yeah. in week four, which like Lincoln Riley, who knows what that era will look like early on. I mean, they'll, they'll be good, but yeah. they've probably got some growing pains and then they get Oregon so in, in racer also. So no, I think in, those the, are in all... the half stadium, right? Like they, they blew, <laughs> yeah, up, they blew right. up the other half. Yeah. Right? The vibes <laughs> are even worse. That just gives them more power. Yeah. All due respect to Oregon. It's a Friday night game in Corvallis. I'm not, that that game is written in the stars (laughs) so my my sister is an oregon state grad which is weird like we grew up in wyoming and ended up going to two pac-12 schools um 
but she is such a big Oregon State football fan that she wanted to get a dog and name it Mike Riley so that she could talk to Mike Riley during the games about the decisions <laughs> he was making. <laughs> That's so good. That's no, awesome. Nothing to suggest any institutionalization there at all. Do you have to change? Do you have to change the dog's yeah. name when they get a new coaching staff? I mean, you would think so, but Mike Riley is like he such is. a beloved figure in Corvallis, really right? Is. Like, I mean, yeah. Jonathan Smith, and they would have had yeah. to change it to Gary Anderson, oh. and that would have sucked. Oh. <laughs> oh. The, the behind-the-scenes stories I've heard about Gary Anderson are just like, like that guy is one of the least loved people in all of the college football. Are crazy. Yeah, the public I can't ones are also imagine. Bad. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! But what do you? Guys, I got a question to ask you, guys. But what do you guys think about the Ducks? Because this is a, this like what we talk a lot about USC being a question mark. Oregon, they get one of the best defensive coordinators in college football, and the problem with this team last year was that the defense you could drive on them. Like they, I mean, they gave up some big plays to Utah, but like they needed Jordan McLeod through like five five interceptions. Like Arizona drove the field up they and did. down on them, right? Like. We have varying opinions. We're very divided on Oregon. (laughs) I feel like the problem last year with Oregon was Anthony Brown, personally, but... It was... Yeah. (laughs) It was the defense. Actually, their problem was the defense. Like, Brown limited what they could do offensively. The the defense performed nowhere near what they should have. I've I've seen one too many Nick Saban assistants to think that Kirby assistants are going to be much different. Um, So I'm a a little jaded there. That's fair. Um, And I just... All of our Oregon previews have involved me repeatedly screaming Bo Nix into the microphone um, <laughs> when anybody says that they're going to be incredible. Like, I, it's not that I think he's bad. It's just you're going you're gonna to run into two games that he's probably going to lose you. Yeah. That's for, I mean, I, I, I'm skeptical of incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I think they could be like a top 20 team. Oh, yeah. And sure. If they, yeah. Do, yeah. Like, if they fix the defense. Well, they also they, have like a very good schedule. They prob- <laughs> like, they're in a very good they situation. They might have the best schedule. linebackers in the nation. Like, the, absolutely yeah yeah flow and soul yeah no i mean i i great i mean greg you're the one who's really high on oregon all the time (laughs) (laughs) we talked about their lines being really great like what's your you want to tell a little bit about your impression here to get you in uh i think that uh, i just think that they're so much more talented than everyone they play (laughs) and that just has to lead to wins like they'll lose to georgia of course georgia's gonna destroy them by like 17 yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that is that what Beta Rank says? I think that's, that's what, what Vegas Beta, has. Like, no, no. So ba- it started at fourteen. Beta Rank had it at seventeen, and like it creeped up. And I was like, oh, that that, that warms my heart. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, like when you see that, that like what moves that is like in particular early is like the sharp money's coming in, and you're like, oh, the people that gamble professionally agree with me. <laughs> yeah, so like they're just so much better than most teams they play, and they get Utah at home, which I think is going to make a big difference. Yeah. Uh, and so for that reason, I'm high on them. That being said, at a neutral site, I would take Utah and USC over them. Yeah, it's completely they're tough. I have to, we we interview some guys that like do serious, serious work and we're friends with that. I'll like go back and forth messages on, on Twitter that are like really deep into Oregon and like every off season, like where I get my hopes up like a little bit, like maybe Arizona's going to win four games. Um, they get into the, like we have five star after five star. And I'm like, I have seen this movie uh-huh. before my friend, like they do not always <laughs> play like five stars for you guys. <laughs> and, and, I mean, like in particular last year, like their 
defense graded out in the forties in beta rank. Like, and I, look, I think that's all coordinator. Like, I think that's all scheme and coaching um, because the talent is obviously there, but to have one of the top draft picks on, you know, defensive end, some future first rounders in, in the, you know, at your linebacker core and to be as bad as they were, I think landing comes in and cleans a lot of that up. Now where they sit offensively, that I'm less sure of because I actually, like I know a lot of Oregon fans are like, we have a bunch of future four stars, and I'm like, what's the one, what's the guy that transfer your former four stars like the guy that transferred from UCLA? Um, oh, Coda. Yeah, Chase I'm like Coda. I've seen yeah. him play. Yeah. Like, he's not like <laughs> this is not like don't give me this like oh he's a four star now. I'm like I saw him. He was a four star. I saw yeah. him play at UCLA. He barely touched and, the ball. And I think that we're starting to see a little bit of a separation where it's like yes, recruiting absolutely matters and that's huge, but if you're not developing. And I worry that yeah. Oregon has been exclusively recruiting and the staff that Lanning built together is meant to be a recruiting giant. So I, I worry about if the program actually oh, changes in that way. He got Tosh Lapoy to come back to college football. That guy's yeah. a nuclear weapon in recruiting. Now he got, you now he got fired as DC by Nick Saban. Like Nick Saban, <laughs> Nick Saban gave him the reins and then it was like, this isn't working. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I, I'm a big like it's like when people tell you that um, like like people go too far in either direction on this like recruiting matters like it absolutely matters um, but coaching and development matters too scheme and play calling matter and it, when people talk to like like they act as if like Nick Saban's just like recruiting and like just rolls the ball out there or something like that like Nick Saban leaves no stone unturned that's why he is literally kicking yeah, everyone but. Right. Like there is no like those teams like and I live in Columbus, like Ryan Day is not messing around like he is going out and recruiting and he's developing and hiring the best play callers he can. I mean, he's one of the play callers, but yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, Well, thanks for engaging us all our Pac-12 questions. We do want to engage you in a bit of a uh, a game we came up with a bit of a trivia using beta rank data we went to uh sharpcollegefootball.com <laughs> I'm, sure. yeah, I'm, I'm ready I'm sharpcollegefootball.com sharp that's where you find beta rank stuff and we started just playing around and doing some sorting if you haven't been there to do that it's super fun and cool you can compare teams historically you can look at beta rank by conference by year all that sort of stuff so that's what we did uh and we're going to test your knowledge rob historically of the pac-12 using data from your own model here okay uh we found some interesting info there we thought we'd give you some trivia about the pac-12 since 2012 which is as far back as beta rank goes i think um and we've got five questions for you so i want to want to see how you do all right and and the primary thing is you're not allowed to cheat and go back into your... I'm not. I'm not. Like, I, I will not. I will accept the results. As they, right? and people, people, people are like, listen, like you did really poorly at this. I'm like, that's fine. I built the model. <laughs> like, I don't have to be smart at everything. That's right. Um, so we're going to start you off easy here. Uh, we have a list of the top seven defenses in the Pac-12 since 2012. Two teams have six of the top, two programs have six of the top seven defenses per beta rank over the past t- uh, 10 seasons. Can you tell me what those two teams are? Uh, Washington and Utah. No. No? Uh, I, no. Is that, uh, I should have asked you if that was your final answer. Uh, that, is, that is incorrect. That was quick. Washington and Stanford, actually. Oh. Uh, is Utah the seventh team? No. No, they are not. Wow. Uh, the seventh team, I think, is... Oh, I, I've had this pulled up. Matt, do you have it pulled um, up? 
I I think oh gosh I think it was like Oregon nineteen. That that's right. It was two thousand nineteen yeah. Oregon. Really? Oh, this is pain. So you like like so I forgot like so before this is like my own. I go on rants about like David Shaw keeping Lance Anderson as defensive coordinator despite all of the evidence that he is terrible. Yeah. But before <laughs> like Stanford had a really good defense and I forgot yeah. that. <laughs> yeah right right there um so uh so it was it was uh uw and stanford you got washington right but you uh missed on Curses. Utah, although it was a good guess do you know which team had the best defense in the pac-12 since 2012 and what year did they do it and this is an overall rank or in the, the overall since 2012 uh defense the best defense in the pac-12 since 2012 Oh man, it's oh, shoot! It's either sixteen Washington or like fourteen Stanford. Oh, now that I've thought of it, it's one of those two. I'm gonna go with sixteen Washington and let it ride. I think they were number two that year. Close, 2015 Washington actually. Wow! Oh! <laughs> that was a sneaky. That was a sneaky good Washington team that like they were young on offense in particular, and they had a bunch of turnovers. But Quiet Kowski had like an actual like they they were good. Oh, they were good. Yeah, yeah. Pretty pretty good guess though. That was pretty close. Was, you knew somewhere it was that. I know. Those <laughs> Peterson the on the, yeah. the scent or the right at right at the descent, but um, there we are. So let's go. To, I want to talk about offense now. Very, I'm, I'm very sure you know which teams had the best five offensive seasons of the Pac-12 over the past decade. Um, that would be 2014 Oregon, 2015 Stanford, 2012 Oregon, 2013 Oregon, 2015 Oregon. Um, the the question I have is, what team season had the number six best offense in the Pac-12? Over the past decade. So the best offense that wasn't uh, Christian McCaffrey or any of Chip Kelly's uh, or Mark Helfrich's Oregon teams. Remember that stupid things happen in college football all the time. <laughs> this is like the dumbest yeah. thing ever. <laughs> oh. And it's not last year's Utah. They no, graded out number isn't... five in Beta Rank. Oh, man. Who did I have? Who could I have had? I think you might have a hard time guessing this one. To be I honest. really am gonna have a hard time guessing this one because, like, like those those Chip Kelly ones are the ones that are right out near the top in their particular year, as well as like near like um, USC had a couple of decent years under Graham Harrell, but nothing really that. I mean, they were sort of sitting in the tens most of the years. Um, ASU never got there. Colorado certainly didn't. What <laughs> <in> Arizona? <laughs> um, Gosh, you know what? Noah Mazzoni, UCLA. They had a really good year with in Brent Hundley's last season. They did. They had a really good year. Is that who it is? Oh, that's close. Number seven oh. was actually 2013 UCLA. Number six, 2015 Cal under Sunny oh. Dykes. Oh, God. <laughs> they were so good. They were so good on offense, and they were hideous. <laughs> the hideous on defense. What's so, and what's so funny is, like, Wilcox came in and, like, completely flipped that <laughs> yeah, <he> really <laughs> like, and there was yeah. never a middle ground there was never a moment they're okay no point where they've been a balanced team in any way <laughs> uh okay good guess though it's pretty good number seven pretty good uh penultimate one here uh beta rank as you know is not just predictive but you have a strength of record metric on there 
Um, oh, yeah. So can can you tell me which Pac-12 team had the overall best resume in Pac-12 history since 2012? Oh, geez. That's prop. So the Pac-12 was really strong in 2014. So if you piled up wins in 2014, your strength of record is probably pretty good. Like, so the Pac-12 like falls off after 2014. Oh my God. It's like, it's like, why did we do this to ourselves? Like, right. Like just years of bad right before we decided to go like do TV. Um, it's uh, so, Oh, it might not be Oregon. Because Oregon got, I don't know that Oregon got, like, so that year, like, UCLA had a bunch of wins. They might have had 10 wins. USC had, like, 10 wins. Arizona had, like, 10 in the South. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with UCLA in 2014. They beat Pretty. Close? Pretty close. Pretty not... close. They were actually number five overall. Oh, that's not that close. <laughs> number one. <laughs> Number one, <laughs> yeah, I guess if you're considering that one and two or uh, like, really, I would have, I would have felt better if it would have at least been like two or three, like yeah, uh, no, uh, it was actually Stanford in 2013. Oh. Um, yeah, the year that they ended up going on to lose to Michigan State in the Rose Bowl. So that was a uh, but. But you were pretty close. Uh, number one was Stanford. Number two was actually Arizona State in 2013. Oregon in 2014. Stanford in 2015 and then UCLA in 2014. So not a oh. not bad. You're right. Those those early 2010s Pac-12, oh, that was a gauntlet in the south. You had like elite teams in the north. Mora oh, and Tagram and Richrod came in and inherited fairly talented competitive Pac-12 rosters and then blew it. So like <laughs> as as the guys from Erickson's classes aged out in Tempe, and as the guys from uh, I'm forgetting the Stoops' classes aged out in Tucson, like those teams stunk after that. Yeah. I was so mad, so mad yeah. watching. Like it was all of a sudden, like all of a sudden, the Pac-12 was like really bad in 2015. And I was like, how did this happen? We were so much fun. Like we in in Beta Rank in 2014, the Pac-12 was the second strongest conference behind the SEC. Yeah, I mean Never it was. Again. It was, it was, uh, those years were, were fantastic. It was, uh, <laughs> I distinctly remember, I think all three of UCLA, Arizona State, Arizona, uh, all three of them had big Rose Bowl droughts and I, yeah. each of those fan bases were really stoked to finally end them and none of them did. So brutal and stuff. And Mora was the weirdest one because he recruited like gangbusters and like, oh, yeah. after like, he just couldn't translate it at all. And then he just stopped Ooh. caring. No. no. Yeah, some some people have many theories about his personal life and how that uh, seemed like he was a tragic, a tragic figure there. So, um, all right, last question here. Only three Pac-12 teams have had a season that finished in the top 50 across all of college football over the past decade per beta rank. Uh, so we have the top 50 college football teams over the past 10 years. Only three of those were Pac-12 teams. Uh, first of all, Rob, we're going to need you to juice the Pac-12 in your model here a little bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> perhaps this a little horrible Rob, for the narrative. You could do that. You're a Pac-12 guy. <laughs> just, uh, just, just a little bit for being in the toughest conference in college football. Oh, um, I wish. I wish. Like, it's sort of, like, it's one of those nice things about being like an Arizona fan, though. Is like no one will ever accuse you of like juicing the numbers. You're like, what do you care, right? like, I, I get him from like, 95 to like 73. Trying to make yeah. that one eleven. They go, they go look at my LinkedIn. They're like, he went to Arizona and Vanderbilt. What does he care, right? Like, <laughs> um, but the real question here is: Can you name which three Pac-12 teams finished in the top 50 in beta rank since 2012? 
Do I have to name the year too? Uh, <laughs> you you don't have to get the exact year. I'll give you like an era. I'll okay. Give you, I'll let I'll let you like within a few years. All right. So I think thirteen Stanford. I think uh, twelve or thirteen Oregon, and then twenty sixteen Washington. So close. Uh, we have here uh, number twenty one. <laughs> number twenty one. Twenty fourteen Oregon. Okay. Number thirty was twenty twelve Oregon. Okay. Number 40. Oh, I lied. There was four, so I cheated. Uh, number 40 was 2016 Washington. Okay. And number 46, just sneaking in the top 50, there was 2019 Oregon, actually. Beta uh, actually likes that that 2019 Oregon team quite a bit, actually. Well, They're they, pretty high on the strength of record, too. Yeah, they came in, I mean, after the debacle of the Pac-12 championship game, where it had the Utes favored by a little more than Vegas. Um, it was like, oh wait, reevaluate what we're doing here with our lives. And, uh, bump the bump the ducks up, um, and then they played. I mean, did they have Iowa State that year? Uh, they got Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. Wisconsin. Wisconsin the Rose Bowl. Then that was a good game. I think they lost uh-huh. that game, but they played. No, they really won. well. Oh, they won. Oh, that's right. And they played really well and won. Yeah, Justin Herbert. Yeah, it was it was a uh, it was certainly a fun game. I mean, there was probably parts of it where I was like, "What was, what was I watching during that during that Rose Bowl?" But it was it was still fun nonetheless. Well, uh, unfortunately, Rob, you went <laughs> oh for five. Uh, what we didn't tell listen. you is we had a million dollars on the line, and so I'm, oh, I'm sorry man, you missed. All you had to do was so get one dumb. right. That fifty thousand dollar <laughs> podcast <laughs> fee. I was gonna retire, and then. Oh. Bummer, bummer. But uh, thanks so much, Rob. This was an absolute blast. I learned a lot. I'm sure everyone listening did too. We really, we really appreciate having you on. This is uh, really good. Tell people uh, where they can find you. So you can find me at Twitter at BetaRankFB. I also handle at Sharp College Football. We have a YouTube channel um, where we're putting up preview videos and we're running through the top 30 teams in college football for our predictions for next season. Um, I just did Air Force, a team I'm actually really excited about for next year. If their quarterback is healthy the entire year, watch out. They'll probably wax. Yeah, Colorado's a little less excited. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm really excited. (laughs) They're hoping that Zeke Daniels does not play in that game. and then we also have sharpcollegefootball.com where you can find all the stats that we talked about and a lot more. And they're, they're pretty easy to, to sort. I use Data Studio. Uh, and then I'm excited. We're adding FCS this Ooh. season. So we'll have oh. week five. Fun. I don't have a projection model for it. So week five, we'll have enough data on the FCS. And we'll be rolling out FCS rankings and projections and all of that. I'm super excited. The place that we'll all be in 10 to 15 years. How exciting. Uh. <laughs> oh, I hate real life. I'm like the one thing I want my, my main office is in LA and I was just out there for a trip and there's not a direct flight except for spirit between Columbus oh. and LA. And I'm like, I'm not doing that to myself, but like, I just want out of this UCLA to and USC move to the big 10. It's like, I just want a direct flight between Columbus and LA. Just hop on their charter. <laughs> one direct flight. Like, just please. Like if you're going to, if you're going to make the gymnastics team do this flight, like just get one direct flight. Please. One for Rob. What <laughs> yeah. seats, please. Oh, uh, so true. Well, thanks again for joining us. This was really, really fun, and uh, we appreciate you taking the Thank time you, to talk Rob. to us. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right. That will do it for us. Thank you for listening. If you're a Patreon subscriber, thank you for subscribing. If you've left a, a review, thank you for leaving us a review. Special thanks again to Rob for coming on to talk to us about Beta Rank, about the Pac-12. We'll be back next week. Uh, we've got a couple of previews, a lot of things to talk about. We're getting closer to the actual football season. 
So that will be fun. But for now, that's Avery. That's Greg. That's Matt. I'm Carlos. Thank you for listening. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even one. Still and thick with smoke So thick it makes you choke The crowd vibes in The coffee's kicking And my patience are wearing thin Said I'm lonelier Than a single sax On a quiet city street